If you have your Bible with you, uh, can you turn with me please tonight to the book of Isaiah, book of Isaiah and to the chapter 38. The Old Testament prophecy of Isaiah and to the chapter 38 and we'll read the full chapter together. Isaiah chapter 38, we'll commence reading verse 1, and we'll read to the end of the chapter to verse 22. The scriptures there tell us that in those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him, and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall, and prayed unto the Lord, and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. Hezekiah wept sore. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, The God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days fifteen years. And I will deliver thee in this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. And this shall be a sign unto thee from the Lord, that the Lord will do this thing that he has spoken. Behold, I will bring again the shadow of the degrees, which has gone down in the sun, dial of Ahaz, ten degrees backward. So the sun returned ten degrees, by which degrees it was gone down. The writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick and recovered of his sickness, I said in the cutting off of my days, I shall go to the gates of the grave. I am deprived of the residue of my years. I said, I shall not see the Lord, even the Lord, in the land of the living. I shall behold man no more with the inhabitants of the world. Mine age is departed and is removed from me as a shepherd's tent. I have cut off like a waver my life. He will cut me off with pining sickness. From day even to night wilt thou make an end of me. I reckon till morning that... As a lion, so will he break all my bones. From day even to night wilt thou make an end of me. Like a crane or a swallow, so did I chatter. I look as a dove, mine eyes fail with looking upward. O Lord, I am oppressed, undertake for me. What shall I say? He has spoken unto me, and himself hath done it. I shall go softly all my years in the bitterness of my soul. O Lord... By these things men live, and in all these things is the life of my spirit. So wilt thou recover me, and make me to live. Behold, for peace I had great bitterness, but thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption. For thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. For the grave cannot praise thee, death cannot celebrate thee, they that go down into the pit cannot hope for thy truth. The living, the living, he shall praise thee, as I do this day. The father to the children shall make known thy truth. The Lord was ready to save me. Therefore, we will sing my songs to the stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. For Isaiah had said, let them take a lump of figs 
and lay it for a plaster upon the boil, and he shall recover. Hezekiah also had said, What is the sign that I shall go up to the house of the Lord? Amen. We'll end reading there at the end of the chapter. Amen. Isaiah chapter 38, uh, verse 1, and also verse 3. Isaiah 38, verse 1. Towards the end of the verse there we read, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Verse 3. Again the second part of the verse. And Hezekiah wept sore. Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. And Hezekiah wept sore. Henry Goodyear lived in London in the days <coughs> of the great Baptist preacher, Mr. C. H. Spurgeon. And it is said about Henry Goodyear that he was a millionaire ten times over. Now that was quite a sum of money back in the late 1800s. This man, Henry Goodyear, although he had a lot of money, he was a very ungodly man and lived for living it up. However, he had a fine young Christian niece who went to Spurgeon's Church Metropolitan Tabernacle every Sunday to hear the great preacher uh, preach. And she was burdened for her uncle, Mr. Goodyear, and she would always ask him to come to the meeting and she would always pray for him and pray for his soul. And one Sunday, to her surprise, she went and asked her uncle to come and one Sunday he actually came and she was so delighted that he was going to hear the great preacher uh, preach. The service was about to start and one of the deacons got up to the platform and he said to the congregation before him, Ladies and gentlemen, Mr Spurgeon will not be around uh, about to preach tonight. Uh, sadly he's taken ill and one of the deacons will be standing in in his uh, place. The young girl's heart, you can imagine, it sank and so the deacon got up to speak. And he opened his Bible, turned to Genesis chapter 5, and he did his reading. And then he said to the congregation, I just want you to notice two things tonight about Genesis chapter 5. Just two things, how he lived and how he died. And so he had announced his subject. He had just had the reading, announced his subject. He was about to preach, but then he too uh, suddenly had taken ill. He had to be held down from the pulpit, and the meeting was stopped. The elders came up. And just had to tell everybody uh, to go home. So you can imagine this girl was absolutely distraught. Spurgeon wasn't about. He was sick. And now the man that was standing in for him. He too had <coughs> taken ill. And all he got saying was four words. He lived and he died. He lived and he died. And But on the way home. That, those, that phrase. He lived and he died. That phrase kept speaking to your uncle. On the way home he wouldn't say anything to his niece and even when he got into the house he just paced up and down the living room and he couldn't get this, this thought out of his mind. He lived and he died. Eventually he went up to the bed, tried to suppress uh, these thoughts but he couldn't get them out of his head. The next morning he burst into prayer, had enough, was up all night and the next morning after a sleepless night he burst into prayer and he said to the Lord, Lord there must be more to it than this. I know he lived and I know he died but that not, that's not the whole story that's not the whole message there must be more to it than that and eventually being so troubled in his soul he went round to his fine young Christian uh, niece's house and she told him the rest of the message he told him she told him how he could prepare for his death you see thinking about death he prayed to God and then he prepared uh, to meet his God you see, whilst we all must face death, yet you personally this evening must prepare uh, for death. Like Hezekiah before us, 
You must set your house in order, for one day you shall die. And I want to ask you a very simple and a very honest question tonight. Are you ready to die? Have you prepared to meet God? Have you came to the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you set your not only your temporal affairs in order, but have you set your spiritual and your eternal affairs in order? See, here before us we are confronted with a godly king named Hezekiah. Hezekiah was one of Judah's greatest kings. And he's in the midst of his reign. And then the prophet Isaiah comes to the king. And he said, Hezekiah, set your house in order. For soon you're going to die. Just as simple as that. In the midst of his reign. And then he receives this terrible and frightening message. In other words, Hezekiah, get ready. Get ready. For you're going to die soon. Hezekiah, set your house in order. For you shall die. And notice how Hezekiah responded. Verse 3, we read it together. It says that Hezekiah wept sore. Hearing about this, hearing this message from Isaiah, he prayed to God and he asked God to deliver him from his situation. And I wonder if you were to receive the message that Hezekiah had received, if you were to receive the message, somebody was to come to you under the authority of God and say, get ready because you're going to die soon. How would you respond? I wonder... Would you party? Would you panic? Or like Hezekiah, uh, would you pray? This news it drove Hezekiah to, to pray. He knew that he was going to die soon. And so he, he prayed. He prayed that God would preserve his life. And I want to look at Hezekiah as he's before us tonight. I want to consider Hezekiah under the subject, near to death, but praying for deliverance. Near to death, but praying for for deliverance, and I want us to notice three things about Hezekiah as he's before us um, in these uh, verses. And I'll give them to you now just so you can follow along with the message. The three things that we see about Hezekiah as he's near to death but praying for deliverance three things. First thing is his portrayal. He's portrayed or he's depicted before us as a man who is unprepared for death. His portrayal, but also uh, his prayer. Verse 3 tells us that Hezekiah wept sore his portrayal his prayer and then lastly his preservation because the Lord preserved his life and added unto his life Hezekiah near to death but praying for deliverance then let's look firstly at his portrayal in these verses Hezekiah he's depicted before us and he's present, presented to us as, uh, as a young man a man who's just 39 years of age and yet at just 39 years of age he was to contract a sickness that would kill him in a matter of days. And as he contracted this sickness, he is portrayed as two things. He is portrayed firstly as unsuspecting. As unsuspecting. Verse 1 we read, Thou shalt die and not live. King Hezekiah ascended the throne of uh, Judah. Now Judah is the southern uh, kingdom or the southern tribe uh, of Israel. And when he, when he ascended the king or the throne of uh, Judah when he was just 25 years of age the preacher tonight's 24 so that gives you a gauge just to uh, how old uh, that he is and at the age of 25 we now find that in this chapter that he's in the 14th year of his reign so 25 plus uh, 14 you do the maths it gives us 39 so he's 39 years of age but all of a sudden Isaiah comes to him the prophet under the authority of God and he tells him that he would contract a terrible sickness and it would uh, kill him in a matter of just days. Verse 21, it calls it a boil. Now this boil, it is believed to 
be a special type of leprosy. It would come upon the skin and it would turn the skin completely black and it would make it black and scaly. And this type of leprosy wasn't like the other type of leprosy in the Bible, but it was a very special type of leprosy because whenever you contracted it, it would kill you in a matter of days. King Hezekiah, he was a young king. He was a godly king. He was just 39 years of age. And then he was to contract this terrible sickness. He didn't expect it to happen to him. I say that because in verse 12 we read, uh, thinking about his sickness, he said, My age is departed and is removed from me as a shepherd's tent. The shepherd uh, takes his tent down uh, suddenly and then moves on. Uh, just like unlike us, who we have a, ter- a permanent house. Uh, you live in your own house. Well, the shepherd, he always had a temporary house. He lived in a tent and he would take it down suddenly, dismantle it and then move it on. And Isaiah or Hezekiah, he was simply saying that he received this message suddenly. And it took him by surprise. He was unsuspecting. Verse 10, he also said that he was deprived of the residue or the remainder of his years. Whenever he was told this news, he was unsuspecting. He was so young, just 39. He didn't expect it to happen to him. And yet it did. He was told that he was to die suddenly. He didn't expect it because he was just 39. See, death comes to it at times when we, not when we most expect it, but when we least expect it. This evening, God may take you into eternity at a time when you least expect it. God might just take you suddenly, just in the blink of an eye, in the twinkling of an eye. And I wonder, should God take you suddenly? Should God, should the, should death come to you suddenly? Would you be prepared? Have you set your house in order? Spiritually speaking, I'm talking. Have you made personal preparation? Have you confessed your sin to God? Turned to the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you personally prepared uh, to meet the Lord? You'll remember how Nabal in the Bible, in 1 Samuel chapter 25, he had a huge farm with uh, many workers. And one day King David came to Nabal and he sent ten, or he sent ten servants to him. And he asked King Nabal, or Nabal for a lend of some workers. But Nabal, if you read 1 Samuel 25, you'll discover Nabal wasn't a, a very accommodating man and didn't give David any of those workers. And Nabal went on about his business. And then we read these sobering words in 1 Samuel 25, verse 38. We read that it came to pass about ten days after that the Lord smote Nabal and Nabal died. Just suddenly. The night before uh, Nabal passed away, Nabal was out at a party. It says that he was making merry with the wine. He was just going on about his business. And then suddenly, suddenly, the Lord took Nabal. He died suddenly and without warning. And whilst at times death can be prolonged and even prepared for, yet at other times death can be unforeseen and unpredictable, it can come just at an instant, just at an unforeseen time, at a time when you least expect it. And I wonder, should it come to you? Should it come to you at that unsuspecting time? Would you be prepared? Would you be prepared to, have you set your house in order? Have you made that personal preparation to meet the Lord? And just uh, last month in Newton Ards, this truth has, has really been in, uh, rammed home to me. Because in the news, I'm sure you read it, or you have maybe saw it in the news, there was a young girl and she was about to get her A-level results. And she was driving, she had just passed her test, she was on her R-plates. She was just driving up that windy Portaferry Road from Newton Ards down to Portaferry, Portaboogie direction. And then just suddenly, 
She was in a head-on collision and that young girl, just 18 years of age, about to get her A-level results, suddenly she was taken into God's eternity. It was unexpected, a time when she didn't expect it. Here's Hezekiah and he, he didn't expect it. Just, just young, just 39 in the prime of his life and yet Isaiah comes to him and he said, Hezekiah, you're going to die soon. You're going to contract a terrible sickness. Have you set your house in order? Are you prepared for death? He was suspecting or unsuspecting. But notice also he was unprepared. I say that because in verse 1 Isaiah comes to him and says, Set thine house in order for thou shalt die and not live. That phrase, setting your house in order, really it gives the idea or the impression of preparing or giving attendance to uh, your family. See Hezekiah was in the midst of his life and in the midst of his reign. And now that he was to die soon, he was to make arrangements who would replace him uh, as king. But importantly, Hezekiah did not yet have a son. And so he hadn't set his his temporal house in order. In other words, he hadn't a son to uh, reign, uh, replace him as king. And this was important because should he not set up a son, the nation would then descend into anarchy. But he hadn't done this. He didn't have a son to replace him. He hadn't set his house in order. And because of that, he was unprepared for death. And because your death may be sudden, then you should be set. You should be prepared to meet the Lord. And I wonder, have you made that preparation? Amos said that, asked the question, prepare to meet thy God. Have you prepared tonight? Have you prepared? Should death come to you suddenly? Should it come to you like the armed man in the Bible as it's spoken about? Should it come to you? Are you prepared? But you know, Hezekiah, although he hadn't set his family in order, Hezekiah was a Christian. Verse 3 tells us that he had walked before God with a complete heart. And I wonder, I wonder have you done that? Can you be able to look back on your life and able to say, I've walked before God with a complete heart, with a perfect heart, a heart that longed to walk uh, with him. But whilst uh, you must settle your temporal affairs, Yet more importantly, you must also settle your eternal affairs. You must face, you must not face the day of your death unprepared to meet God. Should God come to you unexpectedly tonight, would you be prepared? Would you be prepared? Or maybe you would be unprepared. I wonder this evening, should God come to you suddenly, would you be set or would you be scared? I wonder, would you be ready or unready? Which one would you be? On which side of it, of the scale, would you, would you, would you be? How, are you prepared to meet the Lord? Speaking about the second coming of Jesus Christ, Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, and he said in First Thessalonians chapter five and the verse two that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Now I don't know about you, but uh, thieves they don't generally uh, show up at a time when you expect them. No thieves show up in the middle of the night at a time when we least expect them. And Christ says that his coming, it will be like the thief in the night. It'll come at a time when we don't expect it. And speaking about the time when he would come, he went on to say in verse 3 that there'll be a group of people and when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them and they shall not escape. In other words, whenever the Lord Jesus Christ would to come and he would come suddenly, they would cry up into the heavens for peace and safety. Just as Christ was coming, and yet sudden destruction would come upon them. He would 
come upon them. Christ will come at a time when they are not prepared. I wonder, have you, are you prepared tonight? Have you come to the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you turned from your sin, realised that you have sinned before God, turned from your sin, repented of it, looked to faith, uh, to, in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you acknowledged your sin? And have you prepared uh, to meet the Lord? Woody Allen said, I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. The reality of it is that he is afraid. When you analyse that statement, he's afraid because he's unprepared. Have you set your house in order tonight? Let me ask you that question. Have you, have you set your house in order? Are you ready to die? Here's Hezekiah. He's just 39. In the midst of his reign, things are going well. Just going along with life. And yet he gets this terrible news. He didn't suspect it. And he was unprepared. His portrayal. But notice secondly then, his prayer. Verse 3 tells us that Hezekiah wept sore. And in realising his terrible condition, this drove Hezekiah uh, to prayer. And if you're following the reading carefully tonight, you'll discover that from verse 9 really to the end of the chapter, this is Hezekiah writing down how he felt and how he prayed uh, to God. Verse 9 tells us the writing of Hezekiah when he was sick. Now we're not going to look at the whole prayer for sake of time, but I just want again to notice two things about that prayer. In verse 17, I want us to notice that he acknowledged his situation. Verse 17 reads, Behold, for peace I had great bitterness. And here the word bitterness, it's intensified in the original language. It literally reads, Bitterness to me, bitterness. And in Hezekiah, as he realised his situation, it was complete, complete bitterness to him. He was... He was told that the day of his death was soon and he came to prayer to, in prayer to God and acknowledged it. He acknowledged his situation. He acknowledged that it was bitterness to his soul. He didn't try and push it to the back of his mind. No, he faced up to it and acknowledged that it was going to happen. He acknowledged that he had a sickness that was going to lead to his death. And it is not enough to know that you will die sometime in the future. But you must recognise that and prepare for it in the present. Hezekiah, he acknowledged that he had a sickness that would lead to his physical death. And this evening, if you are to prepare, if you are to set your house in order, you must realise that you have an, uh, a sickness, the sickness of sin. And because of your sin, you'll suffer what the book of Revelation calls as the second death. You'll be cast into hell and you'll be lost forever and I wonder have you come to that place tonight have you realised that you have a sickness unto death have you realised like Hezekiah that you have a sickness that is leading uh, to your death have you come to that point where before God you have taken that position and said God I'm a sinner I'm a sinner before you have you acknowledged your situation before God for that's exactly what David did after he uh, sinned in Psalm 32 verse 5 he took up his pen after he had sinned and in Psalm 32 verse 5 we read that he said I acknowledged my sin unto thee and mine iniquity have I not hid I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. David after he had sinned with Bathsheba he didn't try and cover it up no he just simply confessed his sin to God. He acknowledged his condition and confessed it before God and God doesn't want us to conceal our sin. Or cover it up. He wants us to confess our sin. To realise 
that because of our sin, we will, we will suffer the eternal death. And I wonder, thinking about that, thinking that you might be taken suddenly, that you, uh, God could take you just in an instant. Have you came to that place now where you acknowledge that you have a sickness? Acknowledge that you have a sickness called sin. Acknowledge that everybody here in this evening suffers from that sickness, but you specifically, that you specifically suffer from that sickness. Have you acknowledged your condition before God? Thomas Carlyle lived in the 1800s and he had a very good upbringing because he had good, solid Christian parents, but he didn't follow their faith. And coming to the end of his life, sitting on his deathbed, he said these words, he said, I am as good as without hope. I am a sad old man gazing into the final chasm. And whilst he acknowledged his condition, he did nothing about it. But I wonder, in acknowledging your sickness, acknowledging your sickness as it were of sin, will you do something about it? Because Hezekiah, he acknowledged his situation in his prayer, but then he went a little step further and he did something about it. Because he not only did he acknowledge his situation, but notice second, or notice also that he asked, and follow this with me, he asked for a surety. In verse 14 we read, O Lord, I am oppressed, just towards the end of the verse, undertake for me. And the phrase undertake for me there, in verse 14, it literally reads, O Lord, be a surety for me. You're probably wondering, well what on earth is uh, a surety? Well a surety in the Bible it refers to someone who would step in on behalf of a guilty party. And whenever that guilty party was uh, uh, guilty, or whatever he was guilty for, the crime that he had committed, the surety would step in on his behalf and would pay the price uh, or pay the, the punishment that that man was guilty of. Hezekiah viewed his sickness as a bailiff that had arrested him and was carrying him to the prison house of death. And as he's being carried away, as he's being arrested, he appeals to the judge. He appeals to the Lord. And he asks for a surety. He asks for somebody to undertake for him. What in really he's asking for? He's asking for somebody to step in on his behalf. He asked uh, for a surety. He asked that somebody might come and deliver him. And undertake for him. And deliver him from his situation. And whilst you're near to death. Yet you can pray for deliverance. For you too. You can ask for somebody to stand in on your behalf. You can ask for a surety. Just as Hezekiah asked the judge. For somebody to stand in in his place. And to undertake for him. So you too. You can ask for somebody who can be your surety. You can ask for somebody to stand in on your position. You can ask for somebody who completely took the uh, paid the punishment uh, for your crime you're asking who is that person well you know who that person is don't you it's the Lord Jesus Christ you see he alone by his death on the cross he can be your surety he died in your place he died as your substitute he took your sin he was innocent and without guilt and I wonder I wonder have you prayed that prayer have you said Lord I acknowledge that I have a sickness unto death. Lord, undertake for me. Lord, give me a surety. Lord, give me, provide for me a substitute to stand in on my behalf. I wonder, 
Have you recognised that the Lord Jesus Christ is your surety? The only one who can stand in on your behalf. And I wonder, very simply, have you asked him? Have you asked him to stand in on your position on the day of your death? And what a comfort that is. What a comfort that is that you can have somebody on the day of death, although you had sinned, although you have a sickness unto death, you can look to Christ. You can look to him as your surety, as your substitute, one who stands in on your behalf. This idea of a surety, it's found uh, throughout the scriptures. For example, in Psalm 119, verse 122, the psalmist David, he is in a bit of a pickle, and he said, Be surety for thy servant for good. Let not the proud oppress me. The psalmist, like Hezekiah, he was oppressed. The enemies were coming in, they were oppressing him. And he asked then for a surety. In other words, he asked for the Lord to provide somebody to uh, fight his battles for him or to undertake for him, to step in on his behalf and defend him. But it is not enough this evening just to recognise Christ as surety. I wonder this evening, have you received Christ as your surety? Have you asked him to undertake for you on your day of death? There was a crusader uh, named Sir Grimbald and he was captured uh, by the Saracens and he was held to ransom and the price his ransom price to uh, redeem him from death it was a very uh, gruesome price because the Saracens they asked that in order for to release him from his captivity they asked that uh, his beautiful wife would give her right hand and would send it to them and in giving that price she was fulfilling the role of his surety. And in doing that, she gave it to him. Uh, she gave it to his uh, captors and he was released from his captivity. She, gave, she paid the price, paid a ransom price to release him. Do you see Hezekiah? Here he is. Isaiah says, Hezekiah, you're going to die soon. Set thine house in order. And he wasn't prepared. So he prays. He says, Lord, I know the pickle that I'm in. I know my situation. I know that I have a sickness unto death. Lord, undertake for me. Provide for me a surety. He, his portrayal, his prayer. I wonder if you're wondering, did the Lord answer that prayer? Well, thank God he did. Because lastly, we want to look at his preservation. Hezekiah asked for deliverance from his disease, which was leading to death. And the Lord heard and answered that prayer. And he was preserved from death. And the Lord uh, preserved him uh, from death. Notice again um, about his preservation. Notice two things. Notice that his days were prolonged. In verse 5 we read, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord God of David of thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days fifteen years. The Lord came to Hezekiah and he spared his life. And he actually told him how long he would have to live. Now this is perhaps the only instance in all of the scripture where we actually have any man knowing how long he has to live. And why God told him exactly how long, we'll never know. And it's not really our job to pry in uh, to why. But we can just comfort ourselves in this fact that God is a hearer and an answerer of prayer. And God heard Hezekiah's prayer. Hezekiah went on to live for another 15 years. God preserved Hezekiah from an impending death. He provided a rescue from his death. 
And if you request for deliverance, then thankfully this evening you'll receive deliverance. If you ask Christ to rescue you, if you ask for him to to stand in your stead, to be your surety, to undertake for you in the day of your death, then he'll do it. He'll preserve you from the judgment of God. Believer, isn't it good to know tonight that if you're a Christian, that you're able to look to the Lord Jesus Christ. You're able to say, he'll preserve me from my eternal death. He will preserve me from judgment. He has not cast me out. In John 6 verse 37, we have those famous words, All that the Father giveth to me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Christ teaches you tonight that if you come to him, if you ask for him to be your surety, then he'll not cast you out. He'll not reject you despite your sin. No, he will receive you as his own. Christ will not cast you out. But like Hezekiah, if you ask for deliverance tonight, then you'll receive it. You're not coming to a God who is unmerciful. You're coming tonight to a God who is merciful. One who shows pity upon you. One who, in providing that way of escape, if you ask for it, then he'll, he'll give it to you. Do you see that tonight? Do you see that his days, Hezekiah, his days were prolonged? But notice also in verse 21 that his disease uh, was purified. Verse 21 we read, For Isaiah had said, Let them take a lump of figs, and lay it for a plaster upon the boil, and he shall recover. That phrase, lay it for a plaster, it literally means to rub or to anoint. And what happened here was a lump of dry figs uh, caked together. They were taken and they were applied to Hezekiah's sick, uh, uh, skin upon the boil or his ulcer. And Bible history tells us that uh, this was used in Bible times to reduce inflammation of sores when applied to a wound. So Hezekiah, his disease was cleansed. And he was preserved from his death because his disease was cleansed. And Christ redeems you this evening not only from the sentence of sin, but from the stain of sin. He forgives you for all of your sin. Although you have sinned, yet in coming to Christ, not only will he stand in your place in the day of death, but he'll forgive you for your sin. Forgive you of all your sin. He forgives and forgets your sin. Hezekiah was able to say that in verse 17. And I think this is probably my favourite verse of the whole chapter. I love those words in verse 17 where Hezekiah looks back and he said, That thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption, for thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. He was able to look at this experience and say, My sins have been forgiven. They have been cast behind the back of God. Hezekiah, near to death, yet praying for deliverance. Isaiah came to Hezekiah. He said, Hezekiah, you're going to contract a terrible sickness. You're going to die soon. This drove Hezekiah to prayer. He prayed that God would deliver him from death. And God answered that prayer. He delivered him from his death. And his life was extended by 15 years. I trust tonight that you set your house in order. And thank God that he will provide for somebody. Provide somebody to stand in on your behalf. He'll provide a surety uh, for you. May God bless his word uh, to your hearts.